What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Rising Sun Podcast. I'm Dean Howell. Hey, as a reminder, the views expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers alone and do not represent the views of the United States government, the Department of Defense, or any of its components. Hey, I do want to talk about a couple of our partners and friends of the podcast. First one is Prize Crew Coffee. Listen, guys, this is the best stuff out there. It's a veteran-owned business. It's one of my good friends, actually, up in the Pac Northwest that runs Prize Crew Coffee. If you don't know what a Prize Crew is, it's basically a in the days of sail, these ships would go out and, you know, defeat other ships at sea and then take their shit, right? That was a prize crew. So they bring that ship home and get paid for it. But so it's a nautical term, right? And, uh, you know, we're nautical guys. So I'll tell you what, man, if you go to their website right now, prizecrewcoffee.com and use promo code SAIL, that's S-A-I-L, you're going to get 10% off at checkout. Listen, I like Molly's Dark and Stormy Blend. But they've got so many different kinds, right? They've got white coffee. They've got the Honduran honey processed single origin. Listen, maple bourbon barrel aged coffee. I mean, they also do emblematics, coins, hats, things like that. So do me a favor, guys. Go over to pricecrewcoffee.com. Check them out. And again, use SAIL, S-A-I-L, at checkout for a 10% discount. Another partner of the podcast Really, it's a personal partner of mine. I'm a brand ambassador for Lions Not Sheep. If you don't know about Lions Not Sheep, it's a great company, American-owned and operated by none other than the man, Sean Whalen himself. They're out of Utah. Fresh threads, T-shirts, hoodies, socks, just a cool clothing apparel line, and uh, something that I rock pretty much all the time, right? That's pretty much the only t-shirts I wear from Lions Not Sheep. So if you go over to Lions Not Sheep and check them out, um, use promo code L-N-S-D-E-A-N. That's L-N-S-D-E-A-N at checkout. And again, you're going to get 10% off when you check out. Okay, so we talked about our partners of the podcast and, you know, um, they're the things that help this thing go. Um, And so the guest I had on today was awesome and we'll get into the episode here in a second. So Chris cook, um, he is just a pretty awesome dude. He was, uh, a merchant mariner. You'll see his, his full bio in the, in the description below, but, um, you know, he's, he's the founder of Odyssey training and consulting and they run all types of gun courses from basic to low level CQB. I mean, he's, he's doing big things out there in the Salt Lake area. So you can find him on Instagram, um, odyssey underscore TC. That's odyssey training and consulting. It's easy to find on Instagram and he runs a real cool Instagram page, man. He talks about gun dummies and all kinds of stuff. Right. But I'll tell you what, man, this is one of my favorite conversations that I've had so far. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it too. He's just a really put together dude. Um, you know, he's a guy that is a master of his craft and is passionate about making sure that American citizens and, and, you know, that family members and dads and moms that you're able to defeat evil when the time comes. And, uh, so he's got a pretty awesome mission, uh, over there at Odyssey training and consulting. So go check him out on Instagram. And, uh, I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. Like I said, it was one of my favorite ones that I've, I've done, uh, to date. So without further ado. Chris Cook. Chris, what's going on, man? How you doing? 
Thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate it. It's good to good to you know talk to you in person and all that kind of stuff. Happy to be here. Yeah, for sure, man. We as happens very frequently these days, kind of linked up over Instagram and I think through Brian Bishop is is where we made the connection. Yep. If if, if yep. I'm not mistaken, totally. right? Brian, Brian's a good dude. He's a local friend of mine. You know, runs a good runs a good podcast and stuff. He yeah. came to one of my classes uh, late last year, and yeah. uh, we've been we've been you know connecting a little bit uh, since then and everything. Yeah, he's a cool dude, man. So I got linked up with him through Matt Vincent um, over at Not Dead Yet. And they okay. had done a podcast that I listened to and I was, I was like, holy shit, who is this Brian Bishop motherfucker, man? He sounds cool as shit, you know? Yep. And, um, and he and I have kind of, you know, been going back and forth and just, just a cool, a cool motherfucker. He's an old Marine and everything. And, um, but yeah, I was happy to link up with you and, uh, have you on, on the rising sun podcast, man, because I follow you on Instagram and, and you know, that's, that's the, that's what you learn about people. Um, sure. especially if you're in my sure. situation where I'm like, in japan and so like i'm kind of very remote when it comes to all these things but man you, you you've got a, a pretty cool fucking thing going uh over there in utah um and, and we'll get into that right but sure. I, I always start my podcast here man i just think it's super important like you know how you grow up as a kid and like through adolescence and high school i mean it's it, this isn't my idea it's proven through science and everything else but mm -hmm. it's like super important to inform the story of your life right and like how you got to where you're at now you know so absolutely um chris if you don't mind man i'd love to hear like the chris cook origin story gotcha 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 uh it's not gonna sound like a comic book superhero but uh, <laughs> uh i'll try no uh yeah my my name's uh you know chris cook i run a a shooting performance and self-defense training company out of salt lake city utah called odyssey training and consulting uh, i've been doing that for just over four years now and, uh, you know, been a self-defense and training nerd for, for just over 12 years now. So, uh, that's kind of, um, you know, what I do. Right. But I grew up in, uh, I grew up in Houston, Texas, uh, just outside the Johnson space center. So NASA was a, a big thing for me. You know, it was like all, all NASA stuff, right. My, uh, my high school sports coach was an astronaut, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, grew up in Houston, you know, did a lot of boating and all of that. Um, my family business kind of like my dad, grandpa, all of that is all in the maritime industry. Uh, so they were all merchant mariners from different academies, uh, around the country and stuff. So when I was growing up, uh, that was kind of the path for me for, for college. Uh, so I went to a, a federal service Academy for college, went to, uh, the U S merchant Marine Academy, which not a lot of people know about. Um, got out of there in 2015 and, and was a merchant mariner for a few years. Uh, so that was, you know, kind of very broad strokes on where I was and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then in college and everything, but for what I did now, I was a, you know, military history and shooting nerd since I could walk. Um, that was just like, I don't know what happened, but I gravitated to like military history books and, you know, action movies and all that kind of stuff. So I was totally a nerd about it and then, uh, shot, uh, a lot more in like high school and stuff. Uh, that's my dad, like got really into guns and everything and competed, uh, in handgun shooting in high school, uh, a little bit. And then that just kind of carried out into adulthood, uh, uh, taking training classes from, you know, a lot of nationally known people and, and pursuing firearms and self-defense training, combatives, martial arts, uh, a little bit. Um, and that kind of brought me all to, 
what Odyssey is, you know, today where it's, it's a little bit of like a maritime element. It's a little bit of like a shooting and training mm. and fighting people element. And it's, you know, it's all good stuff. Dude, Houston, huh? Yeah, man. It was, I, I, I was actually thinking about it today. I have not been back in like 18 months and I, I'm totally cool with that. I think I'm good. You know? Yeah. I mean, Houston is one of those cities that like, um, first of all, it's like, the most sprawling metropolis in the entire United States because of the annexation laws, um, totally. you know, down there. But, you know, if you get around like spring Cyprus, mm-hmm. like the outs, you know, kind of the, 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 the rim of Houston. Suburbs. Yeah. yeah. Some cool spots out there, man. Like Lake Conroe and places like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My, my, uh, my wife is from Cyprus, so okay. you know, spend a good amount of time <laughs> up there. Yeah. Uh, and then my parents went to school in Galveston and stuff. Uh, so we went to Galveston a good bit. And then I was from Clear Lake, so like halfway between Houston okay. and Galveston. Okay, yeah, um, Clear Lake. Yeah, but you know, bounced around, bounced around the city a whole bunch. My brother lived in Midtown for a while, so mm-hmm. you know, went went into the city. I'll tell you what, if you ever want to feel the urge to carry a gun, hang out in Houston for a while, and hundred you know, percent, bro, hundred percent. You'll be like, you know what? I think I need a gun. <laughs> I should probably have a gun. <laughs> yeah, 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 100%, yeah, yeah, man. So like, um, I grew up in Louisiana. Um, yeah, I mean, grew up hunting mainly but you know we shot for fun too and um not not a lot with handguns if i'm being totally honest right Mm -hmm. like it was more rifles and and shotguns and and things like that typical louisiana hunting and then we moved to texas so i actually graduated from vider high school i don't know if you know where that is oh boy no way (laughs) yeah 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 sounds like a that sounds like a great time yeah it was uh it was a little bit of a culture shock because i moved from louisiana which was a very um small town but it was a very diverse town if you will mm-hmm. and um and then like freshman year of high school found myself out on sam rayburn which is where my mom lives now yeah and where i'll retire i'll retire out on sam rayburn when it's all said and done okay um and I, so i found myself out there and then we we moved to uh to vider and then i finished high school there went to lamar university you know before okay. i joined the navy and all that yeah, stuff yeah 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 um, so yeah, man, Southeast Texas, it's, it's a great spot. Uh, mm-hmm. if you get a little outside of Houston, it's still, a, it's still a great spot. Hot as fuck, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Know. Yeah. So yeah. now my, uh, my parents have a house out in Brenham, uh, okay. you know, like halfway to Austin yeah. uh, and I love it, love it yeah. out there. Um, oh, yeah. but like been in and out of ship, you know, ship stuff in Houston, Galveston, Texas city, Beaumont, mm-hmm. Port Arthur, Corpus, all of that, you know, and yeah. I've always seen it from the, the ocean side. Yeah. Um, and every time I was just like, man, it's, it's so hot. It's so hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. So, uh, so you did, um, MSC basically, right? So, yep. Yep. So I, uh, so I graduated in 2015. So for people who don't know, the U S merchant Marine Academy is a, a federal service Academy, one of the five, uh, federal service academies. Yep. And our specialty is uh, cargo shipping and logistics, right? The maritime industry and graduating merchant mariners, like, you know, licensed, officers for civilian cargo ships. Um, so I was a deck officer. So, you know, you got the deck officers and the engine officers. Um, and so that's all the navigation being on the bridge, you know, right 10, left 10, you know, dead slow ahead on the engine, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and did my time there from, from 2011 to 2015. My brother was a year ahead of me. So I had, you know, had some family there too at the same Academy, but, uh, it was, it was a crazy school. I gotta say, like it, it's, it's very weird to 
to have to go like when you tell people what you have to do at the academy where you're like oh like I, we don't get a summer break and it's like okay well it's busy but then like all the weird rules for the plebes and like how the whole mm. rank structure works yeah it's all weird um but out of that four-year time i did a grand total of a year at sea uh doing on the job training as a cadet on other on other ships so i did two uh two different container ships and an oil tanker um during my cadet time and uh, one of those container ships was on the maritime security program. So they're a civilian owned ship, uh, manned by civilians, uh, you know, working for a civilian company, but they're carrying military cargo, uh, as part of the, part of the supply program. And we got to, you know, do, we went to the, uh, far East and back. So we went to the middle East, sorry, went to the middle East and back. So I went to, uh, Persian Gulf, India, Pakistan, Oman, uh, all that stuff, carried a bunch of cargo back from, uh, you know, the global war on terror. And then when I graduated, I sailed on uh, a couple different ships, a couple of oil tankers and stuff. And one of them was uh, contracted to military sea lifts command. So that was, again, a civilian owned ship manned by civilians. Uh, but that was permanently contracted to, uh, you know, the Defense Logistics Agency, military sea lift command, all, you know, transcom, all that kind of stuff um, to, to be dedicated for military cargo. And we would carry, uh, you know, diesel fuel, jet fuel, all that kind of stuff to military bases around, around the world. Uh, that one was a little bit more serious because we were fully contracted to MSC. So we had, you know, sea burn equipment, we had an arms locker, you know, we had to go through like a small arms course and stuff. Um, but we're still civilians, right? So I'm still, you know, working for a, a private corporation. I wasn't, uh, you know, a, a government employee or anything like that. The dudes that do MSC full-time are on the gray hulls. Uh, so kind of got to, a little bit of taste of it at the end before I uh, stopped shipping. Right. Did you ever make any trips over the far east so japan mm -hmm. um yeah you know, yeah, yeah i did a, like a couple trips over there um so yeah the ship i was on uh was typically dedicated to the west coast so we did like uh puget sound seattle tacoma uh san francisco long beach san diego point loma you know all that kind of stuff and then uh we got uh changed around on the contract to go to the far east and then i did two trips two trips in the far east uh the first one i got on in osaka japan and we went to Sasebo a good bit, went to Yokohama a good bit uh, in Tokyo Bay, did the Philippines, did Subic Bay, um, and did Guam, and then South Korea. So bounced around, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then the second trip uh, was just a whole ton of Guam, Japan, and South Korea. Spent yeah. a bunch of time at Anchor in Sasebo Bay. Yeah. Uh, so saw, I saw the Navy base there quite a bit. Oh yeah, I got a got a tattoo there, like you do when you're, nice. when you're overseas. Yeah, um, yeah, stuff like that. So yeah, I got to got to see quite a bit. Far East is super cool, super cool to work with the locals and stuff. You know, because we're con, you know, we're working with the dock personnel, um, doing cargo transfers and stuff. You know, Japanese people, Korean people, super cool. Um, Philippines is a little weird. Uh, Guam was super awesome. So yeah, I yeah. I enjoyed my time over there. Yeah, I agree with your assessment. The Philippines is a little weird, but um, I've been there yeah. so many times, man. Like I'm a Far East sailor, so, um, I, I mean, name, name the spot, right? Thailand, right. Kota Kinabalu, um, Singapore. So many times I can't even count. Um, yeah. you ever hop down to like Australia, New Zealand, anything like I've, that? I've been, dude. So I've been to, so New Zealand. I'll get, I'll get to that one in a second. But Darwin a couple of times, Perth a couple of times, Townsville, Brisbane. Never okay. made Sydney though, right? And so, You're right. 
I'm lucky enough that with the job that I have now, so I, I'm the um, command master chief of our ship repair facility. So it's like a, a regional maintenance center and we handle all the maintenance in Damn. The, of the world. That's like a big deal, bro. Not bad. I mean, it's, it's a good gig. And, um, yeah, it's a good gig. Yeah. And, um, you know, 3,000 employees. Who's counting? Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, of course but, you'd know. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I am lucky enough to have a dive locker here at the, at the RMC mm-hmm. and the, you know, those guys, Navy divers, they, I mean, they go all over the world. They have to certify chambers and um, if in case of a conflict, which, you know, we can talk about later, but in case of a conflict with, well, let's just say a near peer competitor in this AOR, mm-hmm. we have to have kind of like a fallback plan. And then we have to, you know, exercise our ability to do battle damage, damage assessment and repair. And so we're doing an exercise down in Sydney next month. And so I'll be okay. down there for about eight days. Uh, so I'll finally get to go to Sydney and I'm not pulling in on a ship. It's pretty, pretty cool. Right. So, okay. Yeah, I'm gotcha. stoked. Man. Yeah. I'm stoked. But, um, so I, I did want to ask you, so, you know, you run, uh, Odyssey and obviously like firearms, and self-defense that's your passion right like you totally love it and it sounds like you did some of that when you were younger mm-hmm. but how much training do they give you you know in, in the msc like is it pretty minimal pretty basic kind yeah of it's pretty training? bad man yeah um yeah so i i got exposed to professional firearms instruction before i entered the military right, right? so i i was shooting competitions with squared away pistol shooters um in high school. And then, um, literally my, my gift for my 18th birthday was my dad and I went and took a, a professional training class at, uh, you know, Blackwater's, uh, training facility in Moyoc, North Carolina. So we went there for five days and did like a carbine, you know, did like a rifle class. And that's when I was like, Oh man, like, this is what like professionalism in the profession of arms looks like, you know, the lead instructor was a former Canadian, uh, JTF two guy, you know, their tier one, tier one unit. Um, and I was like, okay, like these, this is what squared away looks like. And this is the methodology to get people into proper instruction. Like people need to go to class. And then, um, from there, you know, I, I, that was literally like a month before I reported for NDOC at the Academy and in, in doc, you get to shoot. We have a, a pistol range on the, on the Academy grounds. And, uh, like you literally get to shoot 10 rounds out of an M9. That's, you know, it's a little fam fire kind of deal. I never even took the Navy pistol qualification. Um, so like when I showed up and they were like, Hey, so like, hold it like this and hold it like that. I was like, okay, <laughs> should I, you sure? <laughs> you know, you sure, sure about, about that? that? <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you're, you're, you're a third classman. Like you're one year older than me. And you know, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, you shoot 10 rounds and that was fun. And then, uh, I got to teach that a little bit later in like the summer, summer programs when I was starting to get into an upperclassman, not by choice. Uh, I was literally, I was, uh, I failed calculus my freshman year and had to go to summer school. So in the summers when either it's either summer school to get people caught up or it's, you know, in doc to get all the new kids, you know, trained to get into the Academy. And they were like, Hey man, like you're a gun dude. We need like instructors down at the range to like walk the kids through, you know, an M nine. So I got to do that a little bit. Um, but then when I was home from, you know, for like summer break or winter break, uh, from the Academy time, or when I was home from ship after the academy i was taking training classes all around i would just you know i had to have two months off or i'd have two weeks off or i'd have something in between and i figure out oh this guy is teaching this class in you know victoria you know mm-hmm. it's only a two and a half or waco or, or something right. like that and i'd drive out and i'd sleep in my car you know and i'd go you know shoot 
Um, and I was, again, looking for those super high level people in our industry. So I was getting a lot of really good training. And then when it was time for me to go on the MSC contracted ship, that's when they were like, Hey, you need to get the small arm certification. You need to take the like security reaction force class, which is like a three day, yep. like ship CQB class yep. for the officers. That's atrocious. Yep. Um, and that was my first exposure to mandatory disinterested training where I showed up at the, at the MSC small arms course. I think it was a five day course. And it's, uh, you know, pistol rifle shotgun. It's the M14. It's a Mossberg 500 pump action shotgun. Man, I was just, I, I, like, it's on my notes, yeah, actually. Yeah, bro. M14. Like, yep. so we'll talk about the M14. Please continue. RP, bro. That's my fucking, um, dude, I fucking love that gun. Okay, we're going to. Yeah, anyways, uh, go ahead. I'm going to unfriend you in real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was M14. It was Mossberg 500, and it was a Beretta M9, you know, certification, you know, live fire quality end. And I showed up to the class and everybody else there didn't want to be there and doesn't like guns. They're a chief engineer on or chief mate on some other ship. And they're like, I got to every, every two years I have to come recertify because I've been doing this MSC contract for 25 years, you know, and they're just there again, you know, to get their qual. They don't mm -hmm. like guns. They don't own guns outside of, you know, in their home. Um, so everyone kind of had a, you know, chip on their shoulder, didn't want to be there. And then the instructors also didn't care. You know, they were all former, you know, Brow. it's in Florida. So it was like Broward County Sheriff's deputies right. that now found like a good retirement gig. One guy was an officer in the Coast Guard and had done nothing but his annual qual. He had never like, not a security detachment guy or anything. Yeah. Nothing like that. So I looked left and right and was like, okay, like this isn't necessarily like we can talk about whether the training is good or not, like your what your PowerPoint and your curriculum is, or are you training us the right way? But like, regardless of how this class is built, this class is useless because no one here wants to be here and, or cares. Um, and that opened my eyes a lot. And I, I, didn't, I didn't even thought of being an instructor before then and was kind of like, okay, like if this is the state of concealed carry classes around the country. This is the state of most people's military training where they have some guy who, you know, got on the range staff and is just puppy milling people through basic rifle marksmanship or, yeah. or whatever. Um, you know, I was like, okay, like this is, this is not good. Right. So, um, you know, I, funnily enough, uh, I failed the qual. <laughs> <laughs> I say all that to say, um, like, fuck, this, fuck this class <laughs> <laughs> no i uh you know shot there so it was you know the rifle qual did fine at uh the shotgun qual you know did fine at and then the pistol qual was doing fine and i think the last stage was um from a knee so from kneeling fire like eight rounds in 15 seconds or something mm -hmm. like that at 15 yards real easy standard and they were real adamant on you must kneel and then draw the firearm. And their reasoning was you are going to violate muzzle control. If you draw and people take a knee next to you, you would end up pointing the gun at them. Um, if you draw terribly and have no muzzle awareness, then you'll end up pointing the gun at somebody. And I was kind of like, well, a, this dude can take a knee or this dude can not take a knee, but his feet are right there. Like if you violate muzzle control, whether he's on a knee or not, right. you're still going to flag him in some way. Um, and that's, you know, not what we would do tactically. We probably have the gun out and then we take any, all these, you know, we'll get into all of it. Sure. Um, so I, but I was like, you know, kind of like, 
get this you watch this you know like i was into it yeah and i stripped the gun out of the holster and they're like don't do that and i was like ah i remember y'all said don't do that and i took a knee and they were like that's a dq you'll read you know half the class needs to retest anyways so you'll retest and you know did fine on the retest sure but i like how they were like yeah half half the people here have to recall so yeah um right. yeah so you know that was a good time uh you know and that was a good exposure and then taking the security reaction force class mm -hmm. which is a three-day tactics class no live fire yeah um that was taught you know again by a dude who was a chief mate in msc for 15 years and then took the qualifying instructor class for this class never done cqb never been in a professional unit nothing like that and uh they were pretty disinterested and stuff got to wear old surplus Paz Gat helmet and interceptor body armor and all right. that and shoot airsoft guns at each other. Yeah. And then I researched on that actually on a ship. So they actually brought an instructor out and certified us uh, on the vessel, which is pretty cool because we could use the same yep. geometry that we're working with anyway. So it's like, hey, let's actually do a scenario on deck. Let's do one in the bridge. Let's do one, you know, and you're actually using the ship that you'd be on. Right. Uh, that instructor was a former Florida bail recovery agent. His dog the bounty hunter in Florida. Dog the bounty hunter, man. He was, you know, super overweight, you know, yeah. and yep. thought thought he thought he knew what he was talking about. He's like, Yep, I yep. recovered people and okay, man, like I'm really glad this isn't live fire. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> so uh yeah, so in my time there, got a little bit of training, not a lot, but um but that really exposed me to like what what bad training looks like got out of that kept taking better classes that was selected with the instructor and stuff like that and then um you know was able to say hey i think i've got i think i've got the ability to impart some knowledge here i think i've grown enough of a body of knowledge with this being my passion for long enough uh that i could you know become an instructor and then where i'm at right now uh you know tnt guns and range in in salt lake uh i was working here i became the training director here kind of where I got my start teaching. I'm still the training director here. I, you know, teaching here tonight. Um, and yeah, from then it was, you know, Odyssey was off to the races and, and I think Odyssey's only gotten better. You know, we, uh, we very much focus on the civilian self-defense problem. Right. Like yeah. we, we, Which we, is we a first totally different problem than, than shipping a box. Totally. And, yeah, totally. And, you know, and so much of our training world is people who are professionals at, military and law enforcement shooting and tactics and they are really good at those things and the assumption is that those will translate you know it's like oh yeah like what we did in the marine corps the principles of fire and maneuver are are sound principles but we'll just go teach civilians that it's like well not not really man like the, the principles matter but like the the methodology might need to change um so in, in recent times with, with more curriculum development and stuff like that, really drilling down into what is the civilian self-defense problem? In many ways, it's simpler and easier than a law enforcement or a military problem. And in many ways, it's more complicated and more difficult. Um, so how do we give good training to the people who need it, who carry a gun every day to protect their family or have a gun for home defense? Uh, what's the problem they're likely to face? And then what do they need to know uh, to solve it? Yeah, I've had quite a bit of training myself and it's it's all been military training obviously i mean sure. on my first ship down in sasbo this was just after 9 11 and so we had what was called ship self-defense force we called it ssdf 
Yep. And they knew I was a country boy. And so like I had to kind of learn to use the Beretta. I wasn't great mm -hmm. with it at first. Yeah. But the reason why I talk about the M14 is because it was just so simple, man. It was iron sights and like, man, when I shot for ribbon with that, it was like first try, like the easy day. I've been shooting rifles sure. my whole life, you know? Yeah. And um, it was just such a basic weapon, you know, yep. wooden stock, just like I felt like I was shooting. All you, know, you need is a, all you need is a bayonet and <laughs> exactly. you know, you can, <laughs> exactly, you can go storm bro. the hill. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. but, um, so we did ship self-defense force and, and we learned some tactics and, 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 you know, shipboard maneuvering type stuff there <laughs> still pretty basic. But then when I went through ship reaction force, uh, advanced, that was an actually really good class. And I got lucky because the instructors were, um, you know, gunners mates and fire controlmen that had experience in, sure. in these type of things. And then also we had a, a retired Marine that was like the lead instructor and, um, you know, he was a fast guy, uh, in the Marines yeah. and, um, and you know, it was really good. They had a, a full ship in a box, uh, mock-up. We learned how to clear the pier. We were using sim rounds the whole time. Cool. Um, with, so, you know, you had the full weight of, of, of the Beretta, a real gun, yep. the M4, um, they were just yep. firing sim rounds. Right. And like, but kind of to your point, that's great and all, but when we talk about in the, you know, in the military, we talk about escalation of force and deadly force and, 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 mm -hmm. and those type of things. Those are sound principles. Like you were saying, I think in the military, but those things have to be a little more. They just need to be contextualized, right? The, right? the principles you know? of interpersonal conflict translate uh, across modality, missile warfare and gas sure. station robbery has certain things about offense, defense. Like there's, there's principles of interpersonal conflict. But as long as they're contextualized and we can say, hey, here's what it might look like for you, you know, and say there's stuff that other people may not train at. And another big one is a big, big one when it comes to civilian self-defense training versus some, especially when dudes have been in high level combat arms units. Right. Where they were training without limitation. Right. Dudes that have been in a tier one unit, there is no limitation. There's no cap on ammo. There's no uh, cap on time. There's no cap on type of training uh, or the type of instructor that they can bring in, um, you know, and, and everyone also has unlimited desire, right? Like your whole team wants to go do CQB with you. Right. Whenever you ask the team to go to want to do CQB, right? Um, whereas in law enforcement is a big one where they're, they're training under limitation quite a bit. I took a, a class two weeks ago, three weeks ago uh, by a, by a law enforcement centric company called centrifuge training. And it was a, a vehicle tactics class. And one of the biggest things I learned about that was how to teach people a thing, given the limitations of their own training program and being able to say, Hey, tactic a may be actually better. Like if we do, if we put it on paper and we really research stuff, we may figure out the best way to solve a problem is tactic a. And then we look at it and say, okay, the training requirements to get a human being with their own uh, like natural survival instincts and, and, you know, uh, stress responses and stuff like that. We could get a person to do a, despite danger and fear and all those kinds of things. If we could do it in 40 hours or 60 hours or 80 hours of training, that person, we could, we could rewire their nervous system and they could do tactic A. And then we look at the department's training schedule and say, okay, you're going to get two hours of training a year. Okay, so this person could work their entire 20 year career and never get more training than is 
neurologically required to perform tactic A, which is actually better. Tactic mm. B works with natural human survival instincts. It's probably what they're going to do anyways. And we can refine it and tweak it a little bit and make sure that they know what they're doing when they do it. And we can do that for two hours a year. And they'll probably get a 95% solution. There might be that one bad guy who's really, really good that you really need a tactic A for. Sure. But tactic B is going to work for pretty much everybody. And it it is within scope of the training limitations that we have. That That's actually a very interesting way of looking at things. Like, um, this is going to sound crazy, but the way that I interpret that is like good enough, like good enough yep. training, like yep. good enough, good enough training, training. That, that you can get more with more frequency. Right. Yep. And, and, and some guys don't like that. Right. And uh, dudes who are passionate about this stuff don't like that. Right. You, you're not going to tell an NFL player, here's a playbook that's going to work 80% of the time. Right. They're like, dude, I'm, I'm an NFL player. Like I want to, I want a Super Bowl. I want a championship. I want to go up against the hardest type of people and I want to win any type of situation. I want a playbook that has an option for everything. Right. And that dude kind of brushes up against, you know, maybe limited training. But when you look at, you know, for example, like the actual mandatory training requirement in Utah is four hours of lecture. If you want to get a concealed carry permit and, you know, carry a firearm concealed in public uh, outside of constitutional carry, the, the permit class is a four hour lecture class. So as an instructor for that, I have to look at and say, okay, looking at the data, of information of student retention, none of these people are going to take another class. There's a ton of other training that they need to know. You know, they're not shooting low light. You need good combatives training. You need a medical class. You need like a TC3 class. You need uh, verbal agility. You need boxing. You need uh, draw stroke speed. Like there's a ton of stuff you need for the civilian self-defense problem. I get them for four hours. Right. So what can I give them in four hours to give them the, A, the best chance if they never take another class, which is most likely, but then also equips them with the desire to take more training as good as possible. So how do I say, if this is all that you've got, here's the best I can give you without saying none of this stuff is really good. You're actually going to need 25 hours of training. Come take all my training classes and make it a giant sales pitch. Right. Yeah, that's, so that's balancing it, it. it's it's a kind of a thing that you have to straddle, right? Like you, exactly. you want to get clients, but at the same time, you, realistically, most yep. people, they just want it. They want to get their yeah, permit. If, right? you, if I said, hey, you're never going to get anything good in four hours. This is all kind of a wash. You just have to be here by the mandated by the state. We're going to kind of brush through this, but you really need to come to my special class. And it's five times the price. And it's, it's, you know, you got to get a babysitter because you got to come out on a Saturday and, you know, and start telling people, they're like, I'm, it's not going to happen. Right. Whether I want it to or not. Yeah. Um, So So yeah, that's something that I've been, been focusing on quite a bit now is, is how to change the way we've typically been doing things for the actual client and the problem that we're trying to do. I love it, man. So do you teach those courses out of, out of TNT or is that uh, part of, part of Odyssey? Right. So, Uh, so it's kind of, kind of both and so uh, um, I am contracted as the training director for TNT and I've been that for, for just over four years. Um, I teach our basic pistol class. I teach our Utah, you know, concealed firearms sure. permit class. Uh, we also have a, an AR-15, you know, basic, like you just bought an AR. Uh, how does it work kind of class? Right. We're coming out with a, a medical response class uh, too, all under the TNT brand. And then we've also, so at, through all of that, we've got an instructor development program that I've got staff members under me that are staff instructors uh, that 
teach those some of those same classes. I'm the one who teaches the state mandated because I've got the state certification, but everything else, you know, how to do basic safety, you know, doesn't require a certification. Um, and they've all taught, you know, been been under me for a while. Uh, and we're kind of building them as as staff instructors. And then the medical response class, we've got a couple of, you know, uh, Army combat medics uh, that are, you know, in the National Guard here locally. We've got EMTs, you know, on staff, all that kind of stuff. So we'll put together a, a medical class. All of those same things I also teach under Odyssey independently uh, at other ranges around Salt Lake County, Utah County, you know, all, all the kind of area around right. here. And yeah. then I also teach the more advanced, you know, pistol, rifle, low light, uh, you know, all those kinds of tactics classes. Uh, at an outdoor training facility that's like an hour south of here. Nice. So how'd you find yourself in Utah, man? I'm just curious. Yeah, my uh so my wife's family, uh she's got she grew up in Cyprus and her whole dad's side of the family uh is all Texans. And then her whole mom's side of the family is all Utahns. Uh so when we were getting married, uh she was, you know, graduating college. I was a merchant mariner, so I was like, well we can live anywhere we want. They'll just fly me to the ship. Um uh, and, you know, we were kind of looking for an adventure a little bit. So we, uh, you know, looked at Utah and we're like, oh, this is, this is pretty cool. You know, especially like talk about Houston with the widespread metropolis and it's an hour drive to get anywhere. And in Salt Lake, it's, you know, 15 minutes to get anywhere. So uh, we jumped up here in 2017, right after we got married. Um, and I, you know, shipped out of here for for a couple of years after that. Um so that's kind of how we, how we ended up here. And then we kind of, you know, we've had our first kid here and we're all, you know, we're here to stay kind of. So. Yeah. It seems like a great spot, man. I've, I've been up there. I've skied up there several times. Mm -hmm. Um, my family, we're all, except for, you know, Mr. Black Sheep here, we're all like uh BYU graduates, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, okay. Right. Um, gotcha. but, uh, wasn't really my cup of tea. And, sure. uh, so I found myself in Patty of Thailand instead. I mean, you know, um, that's going to be the, that's the pendulum swinging in the other, <laughs> the yeah, other side. So, exactly. But, um, I spent a lot of time up there. We skied at snow basin and, um, you know, all the different, uh, spots, obviously park city. It's just totally beautiful, beautiful part of the country. It's hard right, to man. beat, man. I mean, we're right next to the mountains. You got beautiful views, you got beautiful outdoor stuff. Uh, we've got a really good like firearms and training community that's been built up over the last five years or so. Uh, for a long time, Utah was always this black hole in the training community where everyone would always like all the big names who travel the country, you know, 30 weeks, 40 weeks of the year, teaching classes everywhere. No one would come to Utah um, forever. And it was just they didn't have the student base. They didn't have the people who lived here that were interested in really expensive training like that. And uh, finally, over the last over the last five years, we've got a couple of really good ranges that serve as really good hosts for, for instructors and stuff. So then we get, you know, big name instructors come in here now, which means that we've got a bunch of other people who are into training. We've got training clubs and groups, um, you know, people like me that are more of a local guy. Um, we've got, you know, half a dozen of us now that all run our own companies that are all competitors, you know, for the local client base, but we all work together really, really well. We all collaborate really well. We share curriculum. Uh, you know, we'll do collaborative classes and stuff. So it's a really positive environment uh, for people who are serious about firearms and serious about self-defense. Like you have a lot of really good options yeah. in here, which just makes the whole community safer. So, 
Yeah, and, and Utah is a very two uh, A friendly state, um, mm-hmm. as is as is Texas, um, mm-hmm. and I just think that you know as you kind of see the landscape of of Utah has changed drastically in the last twenty years. I mean, a lot yep. of people have moved there for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. just like what you're talking about, right? Safety for your family, um, you know, yeah, all the Californians moving out here, you, you know, you know. Uh, Property is not as expensive if you were in some of the, you know, Colorado these days or California. Yeah. So it, it seems like a, a really good option uh, for, for a lot of people, man. And um, I take it, man. I, I don't want anyone else to move here because our housing market yeah. is horrible. You know, I yeah. just bought a house earlier, my our second house uh, earlier this year. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, we dig it a lot. There's good people here. It's a good community. Uh, and yeah, obviously Salt Lake itself is kind of the kind of the Austin, right? State capital. It's sure. got all the all the liberals and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know, at the same time, it's got a good nightlife, good culture. Yeah, it's, right. It's not. It's not a bad thing. A lot of water so, down here. Yeah. Yeah. I know the the yeah. liquor laws here are terrible. I'm yeah. I'm a cocktail nerd, so right. I'm you know all into nice cocktails and stuff. And it just—I mean, the, the the weird stuff. I mean, I we my wife and I just uh, you know took a trip outside of Utah, and just being outside of Utah and like other people, I was like, that was a double pour. Like, yeah, just, that was not that wasn't an ounce. That was way more than that. Thank you. <laughs> and they have like the the regulators on our bottles and all that kind of stuff. Right. They can't pour more than an ounce and everything. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can't have kids in the bars here. So we have a baby now and it's like, well, we can't go to a brewery and have a beer and hang out because right. she's not allowed. She's under 21. She's yeah. eight months old, you know, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, uh, the way it is. Yeah. It's all good, man. So, um, so company is Odyssey. Yep. I'm curious. How, how you, I'm curious how you came up with that name. Because there's, yeah, there's always a story behind it, right? Yeah, totally. I uh, I always love the story of the Odyssey. Um, you know, I read it a long time ago and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's a big maritime maritime component. Um, you know, my my journey out of shipping was not easy. Uh, you know, there was that was like the family relationship of like being away all the time, which you know that wears on on any you know, relationships. So finally got to the point of like, man, family life is not doing good. Mm-hmm. I'm, my mental health is not doing good. I've got to make a change here versus being like that strategic decision of, okay, I'm going to go to sh- go to see one more time. And I've got this other business. Like, it wasn't like that by any means. Um, so the idea of, you know, Odysseus is trying to get home, man. You know, he's trying to, he's trying to come back from yep. hard things and try to recover a life that he, that he I had a long it. time ago. So I always dug it. Um, you know, there's way too many companies, in my opinion, that are like mega hyper tactical kill solutions, <laughs> you know, and, you know, incorporated. Um, so I was like, okay, it's, and that's not the image and that's not the brand that we give off, right? Cause, cause people who carry guns on a daily basis, there's so many different mental and emotional aspects to that, that it so often selects out good everyday people where so many people see their friend who's into guns and that friend looks nothing like what they look like. It's like, I like to dress well. I like to go to parties and have fun. I like to be social. And this guy that I know who's my, 
you know, the girl in my Bible studies husband or whatever, he like wears outdoor tactical clothing every day and is like scanning restaurants and like won't sit with his back to the door and like is like this weirdo. Right. But he's super into guns. And it's like that's that's not attracting good everyday people to an armed lifestyle. Sure. It's actually discouraging them, you know. Sure. So making things into like super, super tactical gunfighter, you know, deal wasn't wasn't the brand that I wanted to go with. I like it. Um, so, yeah, that's where Odyssey came from. Uh, my wife and I collaborate and run Odyssey together. Nice. Um, and so she was she's been very supportive. She does a lot of the admin. She does you know, website work. She's doing website work today and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we've, you know, dialed in on what we're here for. And, and when I first started, it was kind of like, we'll train anything. And now I'm like, nope, like we're not here for wearing full kit and doing fire and maneuver under nods. Like that's not, I'm not going to come out with a night vision operator class. Right. It's just not going to be the brand. That means you're not allowed to take those. That means you're a dummy for taking a night vision class. It just means I'm going to recommend friends of mine that are professionals at that, that are going to do that. They're going to do it better for you. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the name, and our our mission is that we uh, we educate and prepare empowered citizens to prevail against evil. And I love it. It's it's not a shooting to have fun training, you know. And there are plenty of people that do that. You just want to get more comfortable with your gun. I do basic classes and stuff, um, but the mission that we're always centered on is of why you have that gun, why you even own it, is right. for a a hard day, for a hard day, and we want to educate you and prepare you for that hard day. Right. Yeah. It sounds like, uh, you, you, you kind of want to create this class of gentlemen gun carriers, right? Like yeah. it's just part yeah. of life. You you don't have to be kitted out in five eleven pants. Like, yep. you know, you're, you're a gentleman yeah. and you are able to protect yourself and your family. And that's, that totally. sounds like, yeah. I don't know what people carry in. Like, you know, when I look at a dude, I'm like, you have so much cargo carrying capacity. <laughs> like you better have all of the gadgets <laughs> like if you're that if you're the 511 cargo pant guy like i know i'm really gonna want if you sh i'll say this if you're a 511 cargo pant dude and you're carrying like a pocket 380 with no reload that's a misallocation of valuable cargo resources <laughs> yeah. so please carry like a bunch of like you yeah. need some med kits in there yeah. man you need yeah. like a you know you need a you need some flashlights you need a compass you need a lot so yeah. It's like in That's my teenage funny. years, if I wore cargo pants, you know, I, I had all of the things in there. They didn't have to do with guns, but I had, I had everything yeah. I needed in all of totally. the pockets, you know? And exactly. Yeah. If you're going to be tactical, dude, be tactical, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> survival kit. I got a signal mirror. I got a <laughs> EPIRB radio. I got a right. whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, so I've always, the, the, this, what I call social literacy or, or especially verbal literacy or, or verbal engineering, verbal agility is a huge component of what we talk about. So I have a whole class called situational awareness concepts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no guns at all. You don't have to be gun into guns at all. It's all about how we notice danger, talking our way out of stuff. We do things like pepper spray deployment. You know, pepper right. spray is a really common option that people never train with. Shit's fucking uh, terrible. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's no, I've never, I've never gotten full contact sprayed. You it's know? not great. So. <laughs> You know, I don't like pain, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. Um, but yeah, so that class we go through a lot of play acting and scenarios on. Hey, man, you got a dollar? You know what time it is? Hey, uh, you know, actually, you're you're you know, or maybe it's not even. So the big one is like people always look at 
um, the, the situational awareness people always look at from that predatory violence perspective, which of course it, it fits in of like, yeah, if you see the dude in, you know, with his hoodie up with his hands in his hoodie, scoping people out outside the grocery store, like that's a sketchy dude, you know, like don't go near that dude. Um, that's certainly an aspect of it, but then also understanding when a social situation is going south is situational awareness. And there's plenty of times where people have been exposed to violence, not by a predatory violent criminal, you know, but by a irate, aggressive, road rage, pissed off, otherwise normal guy. Right. Um, you know, your grocery cart scratched my Mercedes. What the fuck, man? You know, sorry, I said a cuss word. I know you said some cuss words. Um, Trust me, it's okay. <laughs> For you and your audience. Yeah, my I'm audience is totally okay with it. <laughs> um, but people, that happens. And people, you know, haven't gotten any training on, like, we don't want to shoot that dude. Like, that, that dude's a right. dad. Right. He's just having a really bad day. Right. And stuff like pepper spray, like, I carry pepper spray even when I carry a firearm. Because I'd love the opportunity to hit somebody with some hot sauce and make a problem go away before it gets to that's right rolling around between two parked cars, getting my head you know caved in and fighting over my pistol. Because that the idea that you're always going to win is another huge fallacy in our world, where people always think of like, oh, you carry a gun, so it's going to look like a gunfight, and I'm going to train gunfighting stuff, and I'm going to win. And it's like that may not be what it looks like, man. You may yeah. you may get you may get handed you know a a crap sandwich. Yeah. Um, so giving people some reality there, it's also important. Yeah. I, I'll tell you, man, especially just the ability to like realize where a situation is going, you know, mm -hmm. some people call it verbal judo and, and like yep. de-escalation of, um, you know, situations. And it, it's really a, a valuable skill, especially because like in those moments, like your temper, your, anger, your stress, your anxiety, all those things yep. are gonna skyrocket. You're going to go into the yep. red and maybe even into the black. Yep. And just being able to acknowledge that that's where you're headed right. is huge, man. Yep. And I think that, again, coming from like, you know, a military background, like these things are very common to me. Like we, mm -hmm. you know, we talk about like the stress continuum and it's all part of our training. And, totally. and I think that like, that's huge though, that, that in your training curriculum, that you're not just talking about like, all right, let me teach you how to like clean you know, slide, you know, safety, yep. proper shooting style, you know, tactical yep. maneuvers that you're going to need if you need to defend your house. But also like, right. hey, man, let's talk about the Walmart parking lot and right. the, that jerk that just wants to fucking fight. Yep. Like, what do you do? Yep. Yep. What you do is you try and, to get the fuck away from the situation first. Right. You know, it's like everyone's like, you know, run away. It's like, great. Running away works. Like visualize running away. Like that is a proper tactic. Um, if I've got wife kid next to me you know right different situation i'm real, I'm real fast so i'm probably gonna outrun them you know <laughs> sorry honey <laughs> you know that's not gonna that's not gonna fly right right um so you know how do you how do you manage stuff you know like like how do you authentically comply when compliance is the right move there's plenty sure. of people to get robbed and live to tell the tale that's a good point lost, lost amigo lost a wallet lost a cell phone lost a watch yep that sucks you know, um, when th there's, there's times where there's not really a move to make, there's no martial arts thing. Like, uh, there was a video, uh, yesterday or this morning of a, uh, 
Uber, you know, not Uber Eats or, or DoorDash or, or one of those things in Chicago, you know, got called to a, you know, delivered to a house and eight dudes, you know, came out of the bushes when he got out of the car, beat the crap out of him, stole his car, stole his stuff uh, and drove off with everything, you know, and that dude got that dude got jumped. Right. Um, th- th- there's probably not a disarm, you know, like uh, you may try to shoot your way out of it, but you may get your gun taken away from you, you know. That's a possible option. Right. So when you, when can you figure out like, oh, how do you how do you comply in a way that dissuades violence from being needed? You know, these dudes who are totally comfortable using violence, they're very used to it. They've grown up with violence. That's normal to them. They expect, yep, I'm gonna beat this dude up a couple times, get some good shots in, and I'll be able to take that cell phone out of his back pocket. How do you do it? How do you give him your cell phone in a way that you don't get punched? You know, all of those things are are worthwhile endeavors to look at and train, you know, and, and to actually practice or think about or talk through and they just never get touched on, you know, people go, well, you're just situational aware. And then when the bad guy, you know, and then you draw your gun and it's like, yeah, sure. There's plenty of times that's not wrong, but there's a whole other side of this that people need to be able to talk through. Absolutely. I'll tell yeah. you, man, when I was a young man, I had two instances that I can remember where I had a, a gun, you know, pulled on me. I was down around Beaumont, you know. Okay. Yeah, probably, that tracks. Probably, probably that tracks. no good. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's the craziest thing, man. Like, in those moments, if you can just maintain, like, if somebody intends on killing you and you're not prepared and and, and they, they draw first and, and you don't have any cover and you're just in the situation, well, you're probably fucked, right? Yeah. But sometimes you can de-escalate even those situations, right? Like if somebody, if they're just brandishing, right? Like, okay, dude. It's, hey. a, it's an extension of power. It's, you know, displaying authority. You know, it's an ego thing. And you can sometimes feed that, give them what they're, give them what they're looking for. You know, oh right. fuck, man! You, you chill, 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 chill. We're all good. You know. Yep. And yeah, that's right. It's like great. That's right, man. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. Yep. What What else you need? You yeah. know. And then I can go around the light pole and draw my gun and shoot that. Yeah. Like there, take there are options over. that don't always <laughs> right. that you don't always have to comply your way out of things. Right. But you might buy the opportunity to do a to do a response to something through authentic, you know, social sure. agility. So sure. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this, man. So I have a 19 year old, uh, in Southeast Texas. She, um, is down there around Sam Rayburn going to school in Lufkin. And Mm -hmm. so when we moved her back there, pepper spray, like that's the option. That's what she has now. And I, I thought about, you know, going down the concealed carry route. And I think that we probably still will. I just wanted her Mm -hmm. to kind of get a lay of the land first, be there for about a year, kind of understand not everything's a threat, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, like what would, what would be a good recommendation, I guess, for like a first time, uh, making her way in the world, making her uh, way in the world, female, yeah. um, you know, carry, like what would be a good recommendation? Yeah, that's a great question. It's, it's a, it's, it's a common question, right? Um, uh, so a couple of the, the low hanging fruit are things like pepper spray, flashlights, a thing to carry, um, they may never actually use this thing in a situation, but that thing is a physical reminder of the need for that, the possibility of threats. There's plenty of people that carry, and, and you can think of it as a magic little talisman, right? Like a little rabbit's foot, but physical reminders of where your head needs to be 
are good things. They're cheap, they're legal, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, for pepper spray training, I recommend a um, couple different guys. Uh, I can send them to you after the chat, but I recommend, oh, what's his name? FPF Training is his company name. John Murphy. John Murphy. John Murphy with FPF Training. He has a, a street tactics class. That's like, I think it's a full day or maybe even two day class. It's a big class. Um, and there's some gun stuff in there. There's some scenario stuff in there. There's some pepper spray stuff. But if you were going to take like one class, he's got a really good program. And I think he teaches down in Texas. Um, then, uh, and then also, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. Chuck Haggard of Agile Training and Consulting. He's a, a nationally recognized OC expert. Uh, I've taken some training with him in the past and he's, he's awesome. But just understanding how to use pepper spray effectively. Um, and, and, you know, you can often buy like a water spray trainer right. unit yeah. um, and having one of those just to aim at a fence post, you know, just to get the appreciation for range, appreciation for aiming it um, is, is definitely a good win. So in terms of gear, you know, th those are, if you have those two things, uh, you're in, you're in great shape. The concealed carry class highly recommend even if she doesn't have a gun, even if she's probably not going to do guns. The concealed carry class is a great class on the intro to the legal aspects of self-defense because uh, that's one of the big state requirements. Sure. I went to Texas class in 2016, 2015, maybe even earlier, maybe 2014. Um, you, oh, yeah. You remember the government shutdown? You must have remembered yeah. that. Remember when the yeah. government shut down for like three weeks? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. School shut down. They sent us home for three weeks and I took my concealed carry <laughs> class when I was home. Nice. Um, that was so, that was crazy. We yeah. just all left our, we all left our barracks doors at like midnight when the midnight time hit. We're just looking at each other like, there's no, there's no rules. There's no rules. <laughs> took our shirts. Hey, anarchy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so either way, I think it was a four hour class when I mm -hmm. took the class. I think it's an eight hour class now. Okay. Uh, there is a live fire qual. Uh, but it's real basic. Not, it doesn't even run of all the holsters. Just pick the gun up, aim it, fire it, pick the gun up, aim it, fire it. Sure. That kind of stuff. But highly recommend that class because it's just going to get a, a good intro to the le when are the legal aspects of self-defense appropriate? When are they not appropriate? What are some right. situations that people have been in? All of that. And then, and then after that, once you have the permit, when it's time to carry a gun, you can just carry a gun. Right. Uh, yeah. Versus uh, the, the common one that I get is like, hey, I've picked up a stalker. And I really need to get my permit. And I'm like, okay, well, my next class is two weeks out. Then it's a two month, you know, then you got to get finger, like, you know, like there's a process here right. and you're probably not going to see that permit in your, in your wallet for a while. Right. Now is not the time to start. Right. You know, you've got a problem today. I've had, sure. I get it. I've had, a, I've taught for a long time. I got to teach, I get to see a lot of students. I think I taught, um, I think around 700 students last year. Um, so it was like a hundred and some classes and, and 700 and some students, but I've seen a lot of people, you know, son, I need a, I need a lesson today. My husband is going to come home tonight kind yeah. of stuff. And yeah, it's like, that sucks, work. you know? And I'm like, Hey, now's not, don't go home. Go to right. go your sister's house. Like, this is not the day to go home. Um, cause that's, that's a hard place to be, you know? Yeah. Um, so the concealed carry class allows you to carry a gun. When you feel the need, you can just start. You don't have to, you know, get the ball rolling. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of in terms of gear, pepper spray, flashlight. In terms of training, get that concealed carry class knocked out. Uh, and then after that, I would really look at um, some you know physical fitness 
is always a good thing. Absolutely. Uh, just being, it's help, we're all here to be able to have good, long, healthy lives. You should be physically fit, um, you know, no matter what. Uh, but then it also is a great deselector for victimization. Uh, we just see people who are more fit get victimized less. That's it's fact. Just, it, there, there's a correlation there. It's not a super strong correlation, but uh, it is there. So uh, physical fitness and then a medical class. If she can get into a good TCCC class, um, that if you like in terms of like formal training, man, having good medical skills is one of the best. It's a good confidence builder. It's useful in scenes of violence. It's useful outside scenes of violence, like car wrecks. Uh, you're, you're way more empowered with a medical class and it's very tame in that right. emotional aspect of like, I don't want to know, you know, a lot of people right. kind of back up from self-defense classes. So I think that'd be a good start. Uh, and then eventually into a one or two day, you know, pistol class, if she's going to conceal carry, yeah. there's a ton of good instructors around uh, Houston. And so my, my wife went to school in Nacogdoches. She went to Stephen F. Austin. Get out of here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know exactly yeah. where Sam Rayburn I've is. Made that, I've made that drive many a time, yep. many a time. Yeah. My, uh, my daughter was at Angelina college. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's, I would say Texas, uh, uh, Houston's probably going to be your best bet for good pistol classes. Right. Um, big tech, big tech's ordinance, thunder gun range. Um, there's, there's, there's a bunch of good ones. Athena gun club. They've got good classes. So check any of those out. Yeah, for sure, man. That's awesome. I think that's great advice. You know I mean? A lot of people are quick to like, I just want a gun. Well, in order to be a responsible gun owner and capable of using this thing in the way that it's intended to be used, then you need to work on your fucking self first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the emotional aspects are important, right? So we're talking about, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, teaching a class in September. uh, So we talk about the collaborative things with instructors and stuff. I've got a couple other instructors that that are peers of mine that I really respect. Uh, Scott Garcia of Advent Training and Devin Soto of Tactical Cowboy Training Solutions. So we've done some collaborative classes in the past, and we're doing another one in September uh, called the Utah Performance Expo. And it's something where all the students will train with each of us for a little bit uh, and get a kind of taste of how our teaching styles are, uh, what our specialties are, all that kind of stuff. And then they can take bigger classes with us later on. Uh, there'll be some competitions, there'll be some prizes, that kind of deal. And my specialty that I'm teaching on is high stakes marksmanship. So uh, when everything rides in a single trigger press, what are the, not only the technical aspects of shooting a pistol and guaranteeing an outcome, right? Guar- guarantee me success. And then also the emotional aspects of when do you know I got this all day? And when do you, I ain't got this. And right. having the emotional control to not pull the trigger right then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's something we're going to talk about. And it's going to be some interesting drills to get people to start to think about, Hey, carrying a firearm, like the potential for hitting a bystander is, is not insignificant. And you know, that, that happens. Uh, you shoot the wrong person, shoot person at the wrong time. Legally, that can be a problem where, where a second and a half ago, this guy was a lethal threat and burning one right into him would have been just fine. Um, but then he, the, the situation changed, he complied, turned around away, something, and you, you know, made the wrong choice at the wrong time. So, uh, getting people to, to dive into that's important. So yeah, the gun's not always the, the solution. Yeah, for sure, man. I think that that's really underestimated too, is what your adrenaline does to your stability in, in, in shooting a firearm. So, you know, yep. you, obviously you have trained to this and I, I've been trained to this. 
physical exertion gets that heart rate up. Yep. You know, and that's the best way to simulate it. It's close. Um, it's, it's a good analog. Game. It's the, it's the best analog for live fire modality. So if you, so we'll call a stress shoot, right. Which I know you've done, yep. um, but getting people gassed out, having to run far, having right. to lift stuff, you know, all that kind of stuff certainly adds a big component to it. But it's not the same. Um, it's, it's not the same. Um, force on force training is the best option. Uh, so good structured force on force scenarios that people get put in are the best way to get an actual adrenal response um, and have them work under adrenaline. Uh, that includes the decision-making aspects of, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and it really, it really kind of extracts out what works and what doesn't with that person and their skill level in that situation. Awesome, man. Yeah. So, Hey man, let me, uh, let me, let's move on to this. So, Tell me if I'm wrong, but it kind of feels like you're living your dream life right now. You know, kind of, you know, I have a full-time job. Everyone's got a day job, right? Um, so I've got a, I've, I've had a day job for a long time. I also enjoy my day job. Um, but it, my, my passion of, of Odyssey is really important to me. I get to, you know, continue to expand and, and the more I put myself out there, the more good feedback I get from, uh, people who've been in this game a long time and say, Hey, you're you're actually on track to, you know, have something unique. You know, we don't, we, you know, if, if I was just a cookie cutter example of a dude I trained with, I don't have anything unique to say. That's not why I'm here. Right. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been really lucky. I've been really blessed. You know, we've had a lot of really good things happen, especially over this last year uh, to invest more time into Odyssey and, and grow the classes, get the students trained better, get more training opportunities with other people. So we're, we're doing well. Love it, man. And so I guess what's, what's the five year, maybe even 10 year plan look like? And I, I know it's always change, right? But moral like, domination. Yes. Moral domination. Right. Moral domination. Man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the ultimate apex of this industry for us is being a full-time traveling instructor, right? When you look at the guys that, that do the best at this business, right? So not a passion anymore, not just a hobby, sure. but a business. Um, travel in the country, teaching very large classes, um, to lots of, of, you know, lots of students. I don't know if that'll ever be me. Um, I, you know, I got, got a wife, got baby. I love my family. I love my community and stuff. And there's an element that I have, I have friends and guys I've trained with and, you know, they, they travel 40 weeks a year, Oof. you know, they're there, you know, you've seen like the, uh, what's the movie up in the air, right? With right. George Clooney, yeah. right? Where he's like a traveling business dude. And he's right. like, got an apartment. It's empty. has no furniture in it. He sees it once every two months. He hates being there. Right. right. Uh, his life is on the road. There's dudes that do that. I don't think that's for me. Totally fine. You know, it's just, I enjoy, you know, but I also am open to, to travel and hosting. I'm working on some stuff actually down in Texas for uh, probably fall of next year. So, uh, that'll give me the chance to go home, see family, all that kind of stuff. Uh, my wife can come home, come with me, see family, all that kind of stuff. Uh, she can hang out in the ranch in Brenham and I can travel to Texas, Louisiana area, teach some classes, uh, and then we'll hop back up to, uh, to Utah. So that's in the works. Um, and we'll keep investing there. There's some, there's some product ideas that are in the works that are again, on mission specific to, you know, helping people prevail against evil things. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, we're looking at, we're looking at some products to come out with, 
keep expanding. Nothing revolutionary, nothing that's going to change the world or anything like that. Uh, I've got friends that do that here locally that I love uh, that have made some really cool products that they're like artists. They're like, oh yeah, what if right. we just did this crazy thing that no one's ever thought of before, right? Yeah. Uh, but obviously he's looking at some products that again, get equip people better that when they, when they come to us, we can better equip them with good, uh, you know, reasonable tools that sure. can again, fit that interdisciplinary approach to whatever it's, if it's a medical kit, a flashlight and a holster, right. Or something that, mm-hmm. man, you can solve a lot of problems with a little bit. If you've got, yeah. you know, you got a concealed carry gun, you got a flashlight and you got a, you got a, a med kit. Yeah. You know, you, you can solve a lot of problems. Yeah. So we're looking at stuff like that. Um, and then the, the instructor development part is really important for me. You know, I didn't get that. I did all this on my own, you know, which I didn't, you, you probably, sh- that probably shouldn't have been the way I did it. Um, but a lot of guys say, Hey, find a mentor, find a mentor, find a mentor. And which is a, a good thing. It just, for me, I had to build all this and figure it out kind of from scratch. So, uh, you know, I've got eight guys right now that are, you know, staff instructors for me that I really enjoy the opportunity to invest in and, and that it, it's not about them teaching for me or anything like that. Like they teach their own classes sometimes teach their own private clients sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, man, that may, if you're doing it, if, if I feel like I'm, what I'm doing is good and I'm doing a good job and you're learning that and doing a good job by proxy, guess what? We have another person in the Salt Lake Valley who got a good training class because yeah. it's about the student, right? It's not about the, you know, brand or, sure. or anything like that. It's about the fact that we care about the people who come to our class. We want them to succeed. We've defined a problem that's realistic for them that we, they need our training for. So this isn't just fun. Um, and we, we want them to succeed. And I've gotten those emails before. Uh, I've never had a student in a lethal force encounter yet. Um, I don't necessarily want them to be in one, but if they are in one, I want them to win. And, and if I do this business long enough, I'll probably get one, but I've gotten some emails of, Hey, this really scary situation happened. This home invasion happened. LE guys that are like, Hey, I had to, you know, clear a, clear a warehouse in low light. And I took your low light class and, and I, I, I had the confidence to do that well, you know? So those are, those are very, those are very touching things to get. And that's what we're here for. So, uh, if we can keep doing that, man. You know, and then also a private jet. If we can do that, yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, you know, you know <laughs> yeah, I'm just, you know, it would just help me with a lot of my things. If I could just have a private Listen, jet, bro. Yeah. Listen, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I was like, "Where the fuck are the flying cars, man?" Like, I was promised, <laughs> I was promised flying cars 20 years ago, and they're still not here. It's starting to annoy me, honestly. Like, uh-huh. we've got everything else, no fucking flying cars. It's bullshit. Yeah. So I know you said you're a, you're a command master chief. I'm trying to age you right now in my head. I'm like, okay, he's command master chief. You probably joined the military in this year. I'm trying yeah. to figure out how old you are, but so I graduated from Vider in 98. Uh, okay. didn't join until 2001. Gotcha. Um, so I was 21 when I joined and I'm 43 now. So okay. yeah, gotcha. so I'm still you doing don't look okay. a day over 52, man. Doing okay, man. Great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you just don't look at the face, you right. will never know that I'm 43. Yeah. yeah. You have the back of a healthy 78 year old. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and my, yeah. my feet are fucked up too. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, hey man, uh, Chris, bro. So let's go ahead and wrap it up. Um, sure. And uh, I just want to ask you if you have any, kind of any parting words or any advice or any message that you want to kind of get to the audience, man. 
Yeah, dude, I'm super grateful for you for you having me on. It's always good to talk to people who get the life, you know, know the the naval life a little bit, and uh, can empathize. No one knows that here. Every time I say I'm a merch mariner, no one's going to talk about what. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, this is this is super awesome. You're you're fantastic. It's great to see what you guys are doing out there. I'd love we got to do like part two and talk about China or something. I would um, love to. I would love yeah. to. Yeah, let's talk about China. Um, but yeah, no, I'd love to love to keep coming on or anything like that. You know, it's it's great to talk to you. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to get the name out there and uh, continue good training. Odyssey underscore TC on Instagram. OdysseyTrainingLLC.com is my website. All my classes are posted there. Uh, if you want to host me nationally, I'm, I'm always open to hosting conversations. So if we can get some people together. Uh, again, the problem is specific. My classes are kind of unique out there. Everyone can teach pistol and rifle class, right? But how do we make things contextualized for civilian self-defense and give you a good good training and good training roadmap for that is what I specialize in. So, uh, yeah, check me out and, uh, you know, keep keep spreading the word. If you've got a friend in the Salt Lake area or something like that, pass it my way. Uh, we'd love to get him set up with training. For sure, man. Great conversation. First of all, Chris, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And I, I do foresee a place where we're going to stay in touch and probably do some things together over the next several years. Totally. Um, maybe set some things up down in Texas where I'm going to be. Um, and, you know, I'll talk to you about some of those hopes, dreams, aspirations that I 100%. have offline. But um, yeah, man, it's great conversation. I knew it would be. You're, you're super uh, engaging and obviously very passionate and smart about, um, you know, the thing that you do. And and, and, and you're doing well at it. And that's what we love uh, here on the Rising Sun podcast. So thank you, man. Um, I appreciate it. It's kind to say. No, it's genuine. I, I have this saying, I, somebody called me out on the, the last episode I did. Like, I just say it and now it's going to be weird because I fucking like set it up. Right. But like, <laughs> I don't blow sunshine up people's asses, man. Like you probably heard right. that saying, I don't know where I heard it from, but um, if you, you suck, wouldn't be, a, you wouldn't be a master chief otherwise. <laughs> yeah. I don't say that. Yeah, I don't, your job. I don't compliment people unless they deserve it. So, right. Um, anyways, but no, thank you very much, man. And Hey, for the audience, I'll just leave you like this. So here's Chris cook, another example of the type of guests that we have on this show. And they serve as an example for you that if you're trying to chase your dreams, you're trying to do the thing that you're passionate about, you're trying to build a life for yourself. Um, the only way to do it is just attack it and like, keep going. Cause if you stop, you're not going to get there. That's as simple as it gets, right? So keep going, chase your dreams, do big things in your life and keep 